Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To a Celtic state of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes, and it's my absolute pleasure and privilege to be sitting in for Kevin Graham this afternoon alongside Patrick, Paddy, and John. Uh, hopefully, you go easy on me, guys. On a Wednesday, there will be no mention of kind of late 80s ponytailed uh, Scottish pop groups, Paddy. Um, you were lucky, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was driving home from Glasgow when all that kicked off, and it was hilarious. So I thank you very much. For last that. week, man, when he was talking about it, and, was it, and do you know, do you know, when I twigged, the looks I was getting when when I was talking about it, I was looking at the two guys and they're going, this "Looks a bit weird." And then when, when when the young man started talking about what he would do, I was like, "Oh man, I've totally misread this. It was a uh, an absolute belter." I so I was, I think I was stitched up. I think so as well, to be honest with you. I mean, um, JP and I get a bit of stick for talking music on a Thursday, but uh, when it comes to Celtic and music, they're intrinsically linked. And just uh, about a week ago, Snoop Dogg was over and it was uh, brilliant to see him in the, in the hoops as well. Um, I've actually been a fan since the early 90s and for some reason he's just taken a shine to Celtic. There's been a few different examples of that um, and I think it's absolutely superb. There's loads to talk about, so I'm delighted to be uh, sitting in for... Kev Graham. Um, I'm sorry it's not going to be as poetic as it normally is, um, or uh, analogy strewn as it normally is on a Wednesday, uh, but we will go through all things Celtic. And uh, John has ran two very interesting uh, polls on social media that we'll be discussing um, as well. But one thing I need to throw out there, um, because it was a staple part of Axon for a long, long time, Kevin uh, and I developed a kind of sideshow called Screamer Celica, and I can announce that Kevin will be back tonight with myself uh, for a special, and tomorrow night as well. We're going to do two on the bounce uh, on the back of Noel Gallagher's recent interview and Liam's response that Oasis could well be reforming. We're going to do a couple of Oasis specials tonight and tomorrow, so tune in at 7 o'clock on the channel where Kevin and I will be back with Screamer Celica. Um, John, I want to start off with one of your votes. I love a wee bit of the old um, uh, work research and all that kind of stuff prior to a bulletin, and you've been doing a wee bit of that. Tell us about the first poll that you ran. Well, there was a, a couple of good questions <coughs> laid out there by some people that follow me on Twitter, uh, and one of them did try and run the polls them, themselves, but we're only getting like 100 responses and stuff like that. Obviously, I've got a much bigger reach, so... I really wanted a much bigger sample. Uh, so the one I did first got 1,400 votes, and it, it is, who is the most naturally gifted current Celtic player? Not the best player, but the one who could rock up anywhere with minimal prep and make you think, wow. So I've, I, I can only fit four in, so I couldn't get like X of Kalmak in. So you only allowed four. And the four I put in were Haksabanovic, Jota, Hatati and Kyogo. Mm. So as Haksabanovic, Jota, Hatati and Kyogo. Who which one of those could you not extract a beach ball from in a phone box? You know. <laughs> so it's that that's what we're looking for. Who is the most naturally gifted? And I just say there was a very clear winner in this one. Right. I've not looked at the result, John. I've seen you were you were running the poll, so we'll throw this out to the guys and also to the, the listeners as well. I'll start with, with Patrick, um, Patrick McGilp. What's your take on that? Is it Haksabanovic, Jota, Hatati or Kyogo? Uh, I mean, we're spoiled for naturally talented footballers, but 
yeah, those four are incredible. I was just about to say it's it's an incredibly difficult choice. I mean, any of them could could win that, but I feel like I'm naturally drawn towards the the, the skill of Jota, and obviously Haksabanovic would be a close second for that particular um, attribute. But just the skill and the trickery, and the I mean, his crossing superb. His finishing is not bad at all either. His dribbling, you know, his passing is quite good. So. In terms of a sort of all-round winger, I would say naturally gifted. I would have to go with Jota, but obviously the other three that you you consider, you know, the the finishing and the the touches and the the acceleration over a short distance from Kyogo and then Aksabanovic, very similar to Jota and then Hatati. I think the reason I'm not going for Hatati is because he's came on leaps and bounds, in my opinion, since he first joined. I mean, he was brilliant when he first came in, but I think he's went up like a few gears since we first got him just over a year ago. So for that reason, I would go with Jota. Jota says Patrick Paddy. What about yourself? Could be any one of the four, can't it? Um, I, I've got Hatati, and, and I think for what we've seen for Hatati so far, now bear in mind Hatati's only playing professional football for us. I think this is his third season. The, the the skill that guy has got, his passing ability, his vision, his touch. He can he can certainly uh, rifle in a few as well. Um, his versatility is, is one of the biggest things. I remember reading about Hatati when he first signed for Celtic. He was he, he was muted as a I can't, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was muted as a left back, but he had played left back, centre mid, attacking mid. He'd even been playing as a striker as well. I think the, the season before he came to Celtic, mm-hmm. I might be wrong. I'm sure something in the comments might correct me, but I'm positive. Before he signed for Celtic, he played mostly as a striker, and his work rate is phenomenal. I mean, when you look at when you look at what he did in the, the Champions League this season for his for the limited time he's been a professional footballer, he showed that he could mix it with the best, especially when he played against Real Madrid. So for me, I'm not saying it has to be Hatati, but out of those four, I love Jota. Jota is one of the most exciting players I've seen, but naturally, gift it's got to be Hatati for me. Right. I mean, I think you could probably have an argument for all four of them, John. But um, there I've was, got... in fact, one thing, Paul. Uh, I did have one person pointing out to me that naturally gifted, even as a broad term, and he started quoting back to me people who were naturally gifted, <laughs> brilliant passers, and naturally gifted. And I was like, ah, come on. You know, I can't, I can't run a, a poll just for the guy that passes well or, you know, all the rest of it. But there, there is, it is quite broad. But for me, when I think about it, I'm thinking about, you know, Jinky, you know, uh, likes of Paddy McCourt, you know, mm. someone like that, it's a, a, a Lubo, someone that makes you go, wow, you know. Yeah, I definitely. Danielle um, has come in to say Haksabanovic a dark horse. I'd agree with that. That yeah. Ross County game, him and Hatati got as the win against uh, the low block. I think, yeah, there's more to come from Haksabanovic, which is maybe the reason I haven't or I wouldn't vote for him. Um, Jota is one of the ones he's a go-to, the jinx I've actually said over the last few weeks a lot of it has uh, been more substance and style from Jota which has actually worked pretty well and Kyogo one of the guys that you could easily underappreciate because the ability is incredible but I think a big part of that is his movement as well. I'm going to go for Hatati and I think that when you see people doing all the wee clips and the compilations, sometimes live when you're watching it um, you miss a lot that he does, and some of it is the, the close ball control. Sometimes the body movement, it just goes one way with the shoulders, and he's gone. His turning is unbelievable. I'm going to go for Hatate, John. So give us your take on it and also the uh, the result of the poll. Well, when I saw it, um, I thought what I actually said was, that's a fascinating question, and I actually deserve some contemplation. So my immediate response uh, was Haksabanovich because I love him, right? That's just pure bias, right? Um, but then within a few minutes, I was thinking, I've just completely contradicted myself there because on this pod, the last time I was on, I said, if you had to distill Hatati's best moments onto a YouTube video, people would think they were signing a £50 million player. His best moments are spectacular. Uh, and that seems to be the, the general opinion of the people that voted. It went Kyogo 5%, uh, Haksabanovic 13%, Jota 33%, Hatati 49%. So 
So oh, it was okay. it was quite a clear win, and uh, you know it's just it's interesting. It's not it wasn't my instinctive reaction at all, you know, because I was more thinking about that really really special close quarters, all the rest of it. But then you remember back to first of all, everyone makes the point that Hatati's only been playing a few years, but you remember back to some of his footwork just before goals and shots and stuff like mm-hmm. that, the switching from foot to foot, just instantly. You know, dragging the ball by, he's, he's done some sensational stuff. Sensational stuff. So I agree with the, you know, uh, with the with the, the people that voted in the poll, uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's. I think honestly, that's a fair result. Yeah, it's an incredible um, array of talent, John. And I look forward to looking at your your second poll as well. That will break up the the chat. Yeah. Uh, throughout the next 40-50 minutes now. Ed Urban Culture, uh, good day to all Axom addicts and a good day to you and all the, the usual commenters and everybody else who's coming in for the first time as well, Jungle Lion. There's a reason, Anthony's players, let's start off with this topic then, are uh, on a daily basis being touted to leave every day. They're bloody good at what they're doing. And that, that takes us to the tagline, um, why transfer speculation won't affect Andy's treble charge. Who we had this week, lads? Has it been uh, Starfelt and Abada leaving the club? It seems to be a new player every week. Uh, but what Jungle Line says, Paddy, I'm talking to yourself, Paddy, um, yeah. Paddy Sinnott, it, it, it's true. We're always going to have this interest, but there does seem to be this um, the, this necessity of, of the media and the Scottish press in particular to, to try and whip up um, some kind of unsettling story in particular um, coming up to a big game. Obviously, we'll have got a, a big game in a couple of weeks. Uh, when you see the speculation, it's just part of the course, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think most of the problem I've got over the next couple of weeks is this international break in it. And, and this is what the media do during the international break. There's no much happening in club football. So they'll drum up some form of story to... I don't know, to, to get their clicks and, and, and to try and um, generate some interest. But I always seems to be um, around about this time where we, we get players that are linked to God knows who and, and, and God knows where. Um, the thing that annoys me most about it is maybe not so much your players, but the, the, the chat about Ange, I mean, they link them to every single job. It's going and you can, and, and you know as soon as a job comes up, he's going to be the first name that's going to be flung in there. Even jobs that he's no suited for, like for example, um, Spurs is probably I said that Andrew's suited for that they are top level or top of the, top of the league table. Um, no, no threat of relegation. We spoke about this a few weeks ago, John. If you remember, I think it was before the young man came on um, on a Wednesday, he's not going to go to a club like Brighton. He's not going to go to Southampton. He's not going to go to Crystal Palace. All these kind of clubs that can't afford to play the Ange ball, if, if you want to call it that. Um, it's just, By the way, sorry, Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson, disappointed. Roy Hodgson. I've yeah, been talking I... about managerial merry-go-round. He's too old for a merry-go-round. He'd break his hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolute. What an appointment that is. That's a shocker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what age is he, John? He's in his seventies. Yeah, seventies. Aye, aye. Well, in his seventies. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, seriously, I think he's knocking on eighty. But you know, I, honestly, I mean, it's just the lack of imagination. You know, it's just shocking. You know, yeah. is any wonder Ange gets touted? Sorry, Paddy, but is any wonder no, Ange gets touted? Because I mean, if that's if 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 they're going back to guys who were at their peak about forty years ago, mm. you know, is it any wonder? You know, that Ange has been touted as the next exciting new up and coming manager. I mean, it's just it really is. Even though he's sixty, will get dug up at some point as well. You know, what I mean, they'll parade him out at some point. You know, I've just never, not. I've never forgiven Hodgson John for Nushatel Zamax. I've never forgiven yeah. him for that. Um, <laughs> Liverpool fans have probably never forgiven him for Danny Wilson. Remember that yeah. Yeah. signing yeah. as well. But I think you're right, Paddy. You know, even when he's not suited to the job, i.e., Spurs, they're going to link him to it anyway. And then you, you look at it. There's no real source quotes. There's no real basis to the the or fiber to the story. It's just the thing there's a job is, available. Chuck Angie's hat in that that that. But there's no real analysis to it either. Why did people not look at it and go right when we when we link into this job? What are we going to do to kind of try and make this story credible? At least it's just a headline. A job's free. Ange, Ange could or would or may or the the club are looking at him. It's all absolute 
nonsense. There's, there's no substance to what they write about. They just write for the headlines, write for the clicks. But when you actually look at the brass tacks here, 90% of the jobs that Andrew's been linked to, he's just not the manager for their jobs. And the thing is as well, Paddy, he's come out and spoke about it. He's come out yeah. uh, and, you know, he, he can't make it any more clear what his intentions are, his vision, his plan. He's mm. already come out and it's just going to get tedious for him, as tedious as it is for us, to the point where he, he just won't, for me, he won't even humour um, yeah. a response. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to come to yourself in relation to a couple of the players, obviously, who have uh, been in the headlines in Starfield and Abada. <clears throat> and, you know, there are some players who come to the end of their cycle um, I think maybe we were a wee bit surprised that that cycle only lasted 18 months for Juranovic and, and Yakamakis, but we very quickly came to terms with that. And do you think that's down to the, the way that, that Ange has basically communicated to us about this aggressive recruitment strategy that he has, not just recruitment, but obviously selling players also? Yeah, and just, you know, being totally organised and more organised than I've ever seen Celtic, having guys in the door before the window even opens, having guys in the door before whoever they're replacing leaves. I mean, Kyogo came in before Edward left. Um, you know, Johnston and O came in before Yakimakis and Jovanovic left. It's 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 all about forward planning. And I think Ange said, I think it was during the January transfer window, maybe even before it, that they were preparing for the summer because the, sort of, the groundwork for January had been done and all they sort of needed to do was actually have the window open and sign the players. Um so to have a guy like that one in the club it's 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 a very comforting feeling. Um I think we spoke about Abada and Starfield last week actually because I think maybe not Starfield but I think I said Abada was maybe one that I wouldn't mind if we were to sell someone to see him go. It's just because I think he had Newcastle was the link um back yeah. in the summer. Mm-hmm. They were linked for maybe 10, 12 million or something. And you think to yourself, well this is a guy that he comes off the bench more than he starts. He gets the goals, no doubt about it. Um, he loves a goal in a derby as well. But, um, you know, if he if he's not playing and someone's offering you that kind of money, the, the, just the, the situation Celtic find themselves in, you've got to consider offers like that. Um, no doubt that we can improve with that sort of money. If, if Angie's able to reinvest that, I'm sure we've got... I mean, we seem to have eyes on every market all over the world nowadays. Um, so I'm sure we'll be able to find a winger who's more than capable of replacing him. Starfield, I think the link, I think that's just people putting two and two together. You know, the guy, I think, is 28. Mm. Um, for a defender, it's not that old, but for, you know, as a footballer, if you're looking to get value out of a guy, you probably need to sell him. That's the last chance you're going to get. Um, so I'm not sure there's anything in that. I've seen people in the comments say that, you know, Starfield himself has denied it. There's nothing in it at all. Um, obviously, the Abada one, you've had, Fuel added to the fire with the uh, the chairman of the Israeli club coming out saying there's a ninety percent chance he's going to leave. And you know if Abada does want to leave, then you know Angel find a club that he can he can sell him to because he only wants people who want to be here who have mm-hmm. the right attitude. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I don't think I think we'll probably see one or two players go out the door, but it's it's the nature of the beast, if you will. You know we are successful just now. We're absolutely rampant. I think we've won something like fourteen games in a row in all competitions. We've not lost in the league since. September, they've only dropped five points all season, so you're going to have players and managers linked away, and it's not something that concerns me as long as Angie's at the helm. Um, I've got full confidence that we'll we'll keep on improving. Yeah, there was a comment came through yesterday, John, saying that um, one of the the uh, audience still wasn't over Kenny Dalglish leaving in 1977. <laughs> um, but what Angie's trying to get us to the point of is that we understand people are going to move away from the club. The only constant at any football clubs is supporters. You know, the players come and go, the management team, the board, the supporters are always there. But it's always hard when you lose um, a player who maybe has become a bit of a fan's favourite, John. Um, I think looking at the two players, Paddy makes a good point, Patrick rather makes a good point in relation to Starfelt. The previous two who left were probably in that same age bracket. Mm -hmm. So if it was to happen, you know, in terms of the timing, etc., you would maybe not be surprised Abada's a wee bit different. I don't actually think, even though we do have good players in that position, it would leave us short on the right-hand side if he was to leave. But I would have full confidence, John, that Ange does have somebody lined up if that happens. Just at one point first, uh, something that annoys me. Uh, If you're uh, old enough to remember when there was only a few uh, channels on the telly and you'd be in the middle of watching 
some iconic movie on ITV and they'd interrupt it for news at 10 and they say, come back and watch The Godfather again, part two at half past 10 or 10.40 after all your news. Uh, the news at uh, 10, or sorry, the international break is the news at 10 of the football season. Uh, I hate it. It's annoying <laughs> and it just really interrupts something that, that's going well. Uh, so anyway, get that gripe off my chest. Uh, so uh, in terms of about it and all, um, yeah, I mean, the, the fact is this, you know, we're going to be running this transfer policy now, which means there's always going to be speculation because there are people going to be leaving. We need to keep the, the core of the team, the, the, you know, it used to be the case where we would have to sell their best player every year. If we can avoid selling their best player every year by selling someone on the periphery for a pile of money uh, to an English team, happy days, suits us down to the ground. Um, so, you know, that said, uh, I, I, you know, I, we, we are going to have to get used to speculation, especially when the Abada one in particular has, is following the same pattern as the two before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's an established pattern, there's definitely going to be speculation, uh, and it's not so much—it's not really speculation. You know, it is a pattern now. We, we, you know, there's proof of what's going to happen here. Um, but the thing about Abada is he is young. He has a long time left on his uh, uh, contract. He has very, very impressive stats, uh, and we should be looking to uh, get a lot of money for him. How big a miss is he going to be for the team? He was the second top scorer last year. I think he's the second top scorer this year. You're going to miss those goals. Um, obviously, taking that number of goals out of team, uh, you know, is problematic. You know, you would have to go back and look at how many of those were crucial goals, clutch mm-hmm. goals that mm-hmm. won you a game. Um, or whether it was just padding on top of a 4 1 or a 3 1 or, you know, wh- whatever it might be. Um, but he's he's a very talented player. Uh, he's a very talented finisher. He's, um, uh, but I mean, you know, I as Patrick was saying, uh, he, he, he've, he's got a lot of developing to do. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't really beat a man. Uh, he hasn't got a trick. Uh, he's he's pacey, but he's not super fast. Um, and you know, for all the, the the pluses, you can see quite clear minuses. Now. If you're a team in the bottom of the English Premiership, though, all you might be looking at is those goals, just mm-hmm. that goal return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that might be the only thing that matters to you. He doesn't need to be a man. Maybe you only play on the counter-attack, you know, and that'll suit him down to the ground. Um, he's an instinctive finisher, so the, the more time he has to think about it, the worse he is. Um, so, you know, th- there's lots there. But at the end of the day, I mean... The last game he came on that I can remember, now I admit freely my memory sucks, but the last game I remember him starting uh, where he impressed was the Rangers game where he embarrassed Barisic, Mm -hmm. um, which was a fabulous game, which I'll always be grateful to him for. I really enjoyed that one. Um, But I I don't really remember that too many. You know, when he started and you're thinking... Oh, don't hook him at 60 minutes, Ange, please don't. You know, uh, he just, you know, he has had plenty of opportunities. Uh, he has been a, a wonderful impact sub for us. He's uh, not been a great starter. You cannot carry on your career like that uh, when people are offering you silly money. He's not going to. We don't care as long as we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, back in the day, we'd have taken the ten million from him. Say, you know, bought his replacement for fifty pence, put the other nine and a half million in a biscuit tin. You know, whatever it is, uh, I don't know what happened to the other four hundred ninety-five thousand nine hundred ninety-nine pound <laughs> fifty. There, anyway. pocket it is an agency, But yeah, no, I, obviously that's why I, I'm not doing the the accounts at the club. Um, but <laughs> essentially. You know, as long as the money is invested in a sensible way back into the team and we are progressing, because we're not looking for, for a guy that is an impact sub. We're looking for a guy to challenge Jota for being the best winger at the club. Yeah, we're looking yeah. for a guy who can offer a complete performance from the start of the game. We're looking for a guy who uh, can stand up in Europe and say, you know, I'm a danger for the whole 90. 
uh, and beyond. Uh, you know, not a guy that comes on to kill off an already dying dog at, you know, uh, 60 minutes. So, um, you know, and I'm not trying to pass on the guy at all. He's a fantastic it. player. But look, you know, it, we, we are going to be moving on. We are going to, He's not the only one that will be going either. Um, so, you know, as long as, we're, as long as there's a point to it, there's no point in selling guys on, not reinvesting, ending up back where you started. You know what I mean? So if, if the club isn't getting better, if we're not if we're not achieving our goals, if we're not getting better in Europe, if that's what's happening, uh, if there's no you know actual definitive outcome which is positive, uh, then it's all just a waste of time. You know, it's just musical chairs for the sake of it. Um, so we need to be progressing, and as long as we're progressing, I think everyone's going to be happy. Doesn't matter who's in and out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Paddy, you want to make a point there? No, I, I was just going to say the problem that he's got the now is he's getting. I don't know if the reputation's the right word, but he's he's getting that way. He's, he's coming on as a a so-called super sub now, isn't he? Because he had his chance a couple of weeks ago when he, when he did well against St Mirren. He got his chance to start against Hearts, and it was. I think it was Hearts and it was fairly anonymous in the game. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, he has, like John was saying, he's he's getting that way where he's getting brought on 60 minutes to go and the game is more or less already done. So, there's no really that pressure on it to kind of perform, if, if that's the right way to, to kind of explain it. Whereas the pressure to perform is from the very beginning, from the, the, the starting lineup, where you need to go and you need to just take teams apart straight away. He's not really had that pressure for a while now. Um, so I think that's a problem that that, that could become a problem for Abad as being known as one of the, the, the people who just come off the bench to be a, a super sub, I suppose. The other thing as well, and I'm going to bring some of the comments up, very interesting comments coming through in relation to this, but players come to Celtic and, you know, I just have to go to the uh, some of the comments that Mika Lustig's made over the last few weeks where he talks about the best time in his career, the best dressing room in his career, the most enjoyable sessions and, and teammates because success brings that, you know. And they come to Celtic and it's almost like, I'm not going to say they take it for granted, but if you leave Celtic and you go down to um, many, many clubs down south, most clubs down south, are you going to replicate that anywhere? Are you going to get, yeah, you're going to get the riches, you're going to get the wages, you're playing in what is described as a bigger and better and glitzer league but are you going to have that satisfaction that you've maybe had at Celtic? Look at some of the players who have gone down south and not really kicked on. You know, there has, I mean, Edwards, the, the one that really is in, in the forefront of my mind at the moment, where he's gone down there as a really special talent. I mean, let's not forget, I know people will bring up his final season. There was comments yesterday saying that he downed tools. Again, you know, as John said before, if you looked at his stats, I don't think anybody could say down tools. That was more to do with his kind of like um, his approach, his demeanour, the body language, because we all became body language experts during the pandemic, <laughs> looking at John, uh, John Kennedy and Neil Lennon's relationship on the sidelines <laughs> and then coming up with a, a solution to that one. Um, but you go down there and it's not as easy as a lot of them think, Patrick. So, I mean, if you look at the trajectory of, of Leal Barra's career, um, it's been swift. He was an international player before he signs for Celtic. I think he scored the first competitive goal under Ange Postecoglou for Celtic. And his stats last season and this season have been nothing short of phenomenal. I keep saying if it was a 19-year-old kid coming through the ranks, you know, he would be a wonder kid. And, you know, you sometimes take that for granted. If he's to move away just now after two years, you know, the timing might not be right for him. He might not be ready for that move, but there always seems to be that insistence with these players to get the deal done and get away from Celtic. Sometimes it can be too quick for them, though. And I fear maybe a bad maybe it is a wee bit too quick. He's got a contract at Celtic that should keep him here for another few years. I reckon another year would uh, aid his development. If he's keen to go, though, he'll go. But there's no guarantee that the grass is greener down, down in the English Premiership, is there? Yeah, it would really, really surprise me if he's the one pushing for this, obviously. I mean, you've got the money and you've got the, the TV and you've got the, the, the better quality teams, no doubt about it. But he's obviously developed as a player since he came here. He's obviously working under a great coach. He's obviously playing for a great club. He's got a very good chance of winning trophies every season. Um, there's a there's a 95% plus chance he'll be playing in the Champions League next year. Um it's an attractive proposition that not many clubs can offer. I mean, you're probably looking at clubs like, you know, Benfica, Porto, Ajax are the only other clubs that can offer both Champions League football and guaranteed success. 
of a similar level to Celtic that maybe Abada could play for. You mentioned Edward there. I mean, the only player I can think of who's left Celtic, went down south and absolutely knocked it out of the park is Van Dijk. Um, everyone else, they've had good seasons. They've been good players, played for good teams. You know, you think of guys like Victor Wanyama. Mm. Uh, Ayer is playing for a good team. I think playing for the Knights or something just now. He's having he's having a good career. But when you look at guys like maybe Gary Hooper, who wanted to play for England, and obviously if you want to play for England, you probably do need to go down south. But you're relying on one or two chances a game at Norwich, and that's if you get picked. And you're looking at guys like Abada. Abada might have, I think he's got 11 goals this season and 15 last season, but he's getting a hell of a lot of chances at Celtic mm-hmm. because we create a lot of chances, and it's just the nature of the game. Whereas if you're playing for, I mean, if it's any sort of lower league, English Premier League team, you're, you're, you're not going to get as many chances, and that's just that's just the fact. Um, if he's playing for someone like Leeds, Southampton, if they're buying him on the expectation of scoring goals, he's going to be have he's going to have to become a lot more clinical. And um, I don't know. I think you know. I think you've got to remember the guy's only twenty one, so maybe he's sort of taken in by the glitz and the glamour of moving to a top five league. Um, you would like to think he's got people in his corner who are sensible and can sort of have these conversations with him. But um, you know, if if his attitude isn't there, if he does want to leave, then he's going to definitely get his wish because we don't keep people like that at the club anymore. No, absolutely. And some of these comments feed into that as well. Joe Hamilton, Andrew's state of mind is strong, clear and completely ruthless. We have nothing to worry about. Hail, hail troops. And it's good to hear from you, Joe Hamilton, on the YouTube channel. We've also got Noah McKee. Good afternoon. Hail, hail and let's go. Um, definitely. I think we were on time today, which is uh, always a always a bonus. Afternoon, folks, says Martin K. Um, and we've got Keith Oakton all the way from Plymouth, as always, Ross Conley. Um, afternoon, all. Hope you're all well. Up the good guys. And Danielle is already bored of this international break. Now, by the way, <laughs> John, John, that also feeds into this. You know, that they've got to fill those column inches. So mm-hmm. a wee speculative story throughout there, a bit of clickbait, and uh, keep that revenue running. That has to be considered. A lot of these stories might not have much of a basis. It, it, it feeds in more than one way, right? Because uh, if you're under that sort of pressure, uh, you know, which you are in any job, you, you know, you've got to deliver X number of columns, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Easiest, laziest thing to do, the fastest thing to do. Everyone reverts to that. But that comes back to work environment, right? So when you're talking about, you know, going down south, um, you know, <clears throat> or, or going anywhere else, really, that's not Celtic, you know, I, I think with experience as you get older, uh, and I think I can speak with the expertise here. Um, as you as you get older, uh, you realise that uh, it's far, far more important that you're happy uh, than it is anything else. Uh, I mean, you know, from my experience, you know, I, I started work for myself 20-odd years ago. Could I have made a lot more if I'd stayed doing what I was doing? Yeah. Am I a lot happier that I didn't? Absolutely. Um, now, however... There are factors of, you know, uh, when you're talking about uh, the money that they're offering down there, it's not a factor of two or three, it's a factor of 10 or 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you really, you know, are you prepared to sacrifice your happiness uh, for the money? But it's very, very difficult to get motivated in a place where you're not happy, where you're not feeling it, you know, and... Um, it is a big difference. I, I always remember uh, Dad talking about moving to Crystal Palace and he just couldn't get over how amateur it was compared mm. to Celtic and how the attitudes of the players compared to Celtic players. Mm. You know, guys letting goals go, uh, letting guys go unmarked um, because it wasn't my man, you know, and, and losing goals and stuff because of that. And it infuriated them. Absolutely infuriated. I'm coming from a Celtic team, all of whom were just killers, basically, you know, attitude-wise. And to get down there and this guy is, you know, half arson it. Um, and he just couldn't tolerate it. And if you come from an environment like Celtic as it is now, where you're winning all the time, where the standards are high, where there's that real enthusiasm and expectation in the camp for Ange is an inspirational manager, you know, and you are then moving to, you know, whoever it is, Brentford, I mean, I, I don't know any of the English clubs anymore in terms of who their managers are. You're going down there, you know, trying to eke out a win 
you know, every now and again, um, manager maybe likes you, maybe he doesn't. You're playing a different way. You know, it's all about trying to be solid, um, giving us nothing up. Um, you know, uh, just uh, playing a different kind of football that doesn't. As a football player, you don't really want to be playing unless you're a centre half. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so uh, you know, I accept that the money, like you know, you talk about Kieran Tierney and stuff like that. I accept that the level of the, the money is ridiculous. You know, ask him now who happy is. Brilliant point. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, John, I spoke to Willie Wallace about that move because he went down to Palace with with your dad as well. Um, And there was an an ex-Celtic Crystal Palace called Tony Taylor at the time. And he had been at Celtic, obviously, with, with Willie Wallace and John Hughes previously. And they had that discussion during training. It was a training drill where um, nobody was was putting in the effort and the goalie was putting the effort in. And uh, Tony Taylor turns around to Willie Wallace and John and says, you know, wouldn't they, big joke wouldn't they allow this to happen, you know? And the standard just dropped instantly. Yeah. You know, so you're going to a big club in London and they're saying this wouldn't happen at Celtic, you know. The standards were completely different. I always remember back to Samaras saying it was about the medals for him, which was brilliant. And he wasn't saying that just to, to curry favour with Celtic fans. It, he meant it. It wasn't about the medals for uh, for Big Samaras. And you're right, Kieran Tierney must be looking, and I'm not saying he, he, he'll be regretting his move, but how happy is he with his football yeah. right now? I doubt he'll be um, overjoyed. Um, Stoned Outlaw 1888, Hoop Doggy Dog. Yes, absolutely. We need to make it our new ma- mascot. Uh, I can just imagine the merchandise in the Celtic shop as well. I'm sure Snoop would be up for it. Uh, Danny McGrain, hello from Stranraer. Anyone who was looking forward to our evening with Danny, on uh, Saturday night, the refunds are going out to anyone who's asked for them because Danny can't make it, unfortunately, kind of last minute. But uh, his teammate, Peter Grant, has been drafted in and the vast majority of you will be enjoying that night at Gracie's. But it will mean that there's a few tickets available for Granty. We'll make all that available over the next couple of days if you want to join. Oh, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, put Peter Grant. I actually I think I think he's a breath of fresh air on Celtic TV, uh, Paddy. He really yeah, has. Ah, he's and as a pundit to... as well, he's he's really really good as a pundit. He's 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 straight to the point, and um, I, I really like Peter Grant. He's my favourite. I told you the other night. He's one of my favourite players when I was growing up. Him, Paul McStay. I loved um, Grant. Uh, him, I him and Morris, no doubt, with the tinted aye, and Marker right. with the tinted hair. <laughs> ah, they all loved aye. that. Yeah, the proxy. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, another point from Danielle. A little worried about Maida. We're going to be talking about international duty. Um, Danielle, he's admitted he's carrying an injury, but he's away on in international duty. Hope he's okay. Uh, team doesn't take the same without him. Right. I'm going to come to yourself first, uh, Paddy Sinnott, in relation to the international break. I asked Lawrence yesterday what his thoughts were. I think he was similar to John Hughes. He thinks it's like the 10 o'clock news uh, coming on in the middle of Die Hard or something like that, and it's just ruining your experience. I totally get it. And you just don't want anybody to get injured. That's the main one. But there's a couple of players there that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. And the first one is Tony Ralston, of course, coming back into the Scotland squad. I hope he gets game time. But also Mikey Johnston um, for Ireland. I'll be interested to see how he performs. Mm-hmm. What's your take on international breaks, Paddy? And is there anything that, that you're going to enjoy during the break international football-wise? I mean, I suppose for me and, and, and the job that I do... Just writing so about Celtic, it's brutal, absolutely brutal, um, because you're having to focus on. You know, my job basically is to bring all Celtic news, not Scotland news, not anything else. So you need to look at it a different way. So it makes it a lot harder. Um, as a fan, I can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll I'll have the Scotland game on in the background if it's there. I, I don't make any point. Of, Try to watch it. I just it just doesn't float my boat, and that's not to say I don't want to see us do well. I don't want to see us win or qualify for major tournaments. Um, it's just it's just no. I've I've just not had that kind of feeling for the national team for a long, long time. Um, I kind of lost it when we were decent. When we used to beat teams like France and Spain. I mean, we're talking what late eighties here um, when mm. we, were, we were decent side. Um, but nah, I mean it, it's it's. Not floating my boat for a long time. I can take it or leave it. It's interesting that because international was at one point like the pinnacle of a, a footballer's career, John. Yeah. Um, and you know, Champions League and all the the big five leagues and all that seems to have overtaken it in many many respects. Do you would you agree with that? 
I mean, it, yeah. is it something that you've been interested in in the past, like Paddy, and you've kind of lost interest? No. Uh, not really. Uh, you know, and again, I think we had that discussion before. For me, for me it was... Uh, uh, the charity weekend, Paul. We had that discussion. Your favourite team is Celtic and Celtic reserves. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So and then, and then Celtic women. Now we've got three teams we can support. <laughs> Absolutely. But after that, I actually thought, oh, I should probably have said, you know, like Crystal Palace and Sunderland. Um, here, his dad went down there, and, uh, and obviously my uncle Billy played for Sunderland for a long time. Um, so I should probably have said that, but you know, that's not really. Being honest, but you know, I, I I don't really care what happens to them. But yeah, no, it's well, the international break's a difficult one. Uh, the only real conversation I've had about it was with a friend of mine yesterday. Obviously, I live in Ireland, so lots of Ireland supporters here. Um, and uh, Mikey Johnson getting drafted, and I thought was really interesting because mm. you know, let let's see what he can do. Uh, you know, I'm not. It's easy to write off. Mikey Johnson, he is easy to write off Mikey Johnson's, but much like Ralston, successive managers have thought there was enough there not to punt him out the door. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not just going to write him off. I want to see what he can do at this level. It'd be very, very interesting. Ireland are really quite poor. Uh, and, you know, they could do with any sort of quality in their team. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'd be fascinated to see what happens there. Um, you know, as for the rest of it, the only thing in the international break that's really caught my attention was the Japanese manager um, and the effects that that might have on us. I'm sure you've discussed this already, but, um, you know, I'd be concerned that his comments and his selection policy uh, could lead the likes of Fatate to say, well, I mean, I can't do anything more. Mm. You know, if it comes down to the league that I'm in, I can't do anything more. I can't play any better. What am I going to do? Um, and, you know, the, the same for, I suppose, Kyogo to a certain extent as well. Uh, I, it doesn't it doesn't work for us either, uh, really, because it diminishes the reputation of the league and also diminishes the value. Because an international player, an established international player, is worth an awful lot more than a guy who isn't. Um, so, you know, that, that was concerning. Um and I know it's uh, if, uh, there's a couple of Japanese guys on Twitter. We have Liam as well, who said, you know, he's just he's trying out different people. He's doing this, he's doing that. He doesn't play with strikers. That's why Kyogo's not in. Mm. Um, he doesn't like the league, but then he picks Maeda anyway, you know, uh, or whatever it is. It's just, it seems a bit weird. And, uh, you know, he seems to be quite a sort of stubborn guy setting his ways, and that's fine. But we don't want that sort of message seeping through. Now, it's all it's all right for us to sit and pillory the league every week um, because it's like a bit like having an ugly sister, isn't it? You, you, it's only you that's allowed to say that. Um, you know, you're not, you, we don't want other people talking about it. Um, you know, so uh, from that point of view, uh, you know, that, that was a worry. I, I don't think that's a good thing at all. Uh, we want the likes of Hitati and Kyogo to be able to fulfil their ambitions international ambitions while they're at this club uh, and we don't want any nonsense around that um, you know so I mean Hatati is you know you're looking at the way he's playing and you're thinking you know I know some of those boys they are in better leagues but they're not in they're, they're in pretty poor clubs in those leagues uh, you know so uh, look you can't read the man's mind but that that was what was concerned me about this international break uh, quite frankly when it comes to the, you know I I have no idea. I don't even know who Scotland are playing. Uh, you know, so that, that that about sums up my interest. And it's not that I, you know, dislike it or anything like that. It's just I don't have no interest. Mm. You know, so very much as I said, use it ten for me. <laughs> Hi. Now, with regards to that, then a slightly younger generation and uh, Patrick, what's your take on it? Because yeah, that was quite concerning. Looking at the uh, one of the reasons around uh, the omission of Kyogo and Hatate. Um, but obviously there, there was a bit of a contradiction there because obviously Maeda's in there. I pointed out that, you know, does that mean Stevie Clark doesn't rate the Scottish League because there was only four players in his squad that played their football in the Scottish League prior to, you know, maybe Tony Ralston coming in. Uh, but I'll be interested to see Tony playing 
Um, like John said, I like the fact that Mikey Johnson's been called up because he's obviously been given a new lease of life with Victoria uh, Guimaraes, who, by the way, um, th- there is, a, there is a, a, a fee attached to his loan deal. However, they've already made it clear that they can't afford to pay it. So it would appear that he's coming back to Celtic. He could be coming back as an international player. Stevie Kenny likes playing with his, his wingers. He always played with wingers um, in, in his club days as well. So you hope that he gets a run out. But um, what's your take on it yourself, Patrick, you know, the international break? Is it something that interests you or you like Danielle falling asleep already? Okay, can I just interrupt there, Patrick, just to say how mm-hmm. impressive was that pronunciation of the, the Portuguese team, Paul John? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's the right team, but just, <laughs> you just make it up. Possibly. <laughs> Somebody will threaten in the comments, I'm sure. Uh, I um I I drift in and out, if I'm being totally honest. I was um when Steve Clark took over, I was fairly excited because I thought, right, we've got a proper manager and, and you you take a look at the squad and you think, right, we could we probably should be doing something here and we, we end up qualifying. Don't have the best of Euros. Uh, we're pretty poor after the Euros. We sort of, we've picked up recently. I'm top at Scotland here. Um, I'm, and I'm saying we because obviously I still want Scotland to do well. I'm just to be following Celtic every weekend, every weekend, and then to go to watch Scotland get hunt by Spain. It's not. It's not something that appeals to me necessarily. It's not something like, oh, I'm really excited to go and do that. I'm thinking, well, I might be watching it telly, aye. But so you could probably class me as a fair weather fan. Um, you know, if I if I miss out on a Scotland ticket, like Scotland England in, in September, hundred and fiftieth anniversary match, I missed out on a ticket. Not that first. Um, I'll still watch the game. Still want Scotland to win, obviously. But um, I'm a bit of a fair weather fan. When it comes to Mikey Johnson, I think he. I think he started quite well with Guimaraes. I've not heard a lot recently. Uh, I was just searching it there. He's, he's only got one goal. I don't know how how up to date that website was though. Um, but um, it'll be it'll be good for him to because obviously the the thing he's been missing since you know probably twenty nineteen has been game time. So yeah. to be playing for Guimaraes all season, to be playing for Ireland hopefully um, as well. Hopefully he comes back with a bit more physicality. I didn't I didn't know that that they've sort of said that they can't afford them. Um, you know, I was I was half expecting him to come back, but it's interesting to, to see that he'll be coming back. Um, he's another one. I, I I think in many ways he's he's kind of the opposite to Abada. He, he seems to be he seems to have bags of talent and skill and all that, but next to no end product. Whereas mm. Abada, as John was saying, he's not getting many tricks up his sleeve. He's just quite pacey, but he does get the goals and he gets the assists. Um, but again, it's hard to see how he gets in the team because. If guys like Abada have been kept out, then it, it, it's going to be quite do- difficult for Johnston to get in. And we don't have the injury crisis anymore that we had when he played in the League Cup final last December. So it'll be good for him to get game time, hopefully kickstart his career again. But um, I'm not sure how he gets into the Celtic team, if I'm being honest. No, I'd probably agree with that. I want to get on to your second poll, John, before we uh, take in the last 10 minutes of the show. You ran two polls this week. What was the second one? So... Second one, I don't be cheating in the comments. I saw someone there cheating that took part in them. Don't be cheating in the comments now. Don't tell anyone what it is, uh, what the result is. If you're an opposition manager and you have the choice of one Celtic player, who would you take? Kyogo, Kalmak, CCV, or Hatati? There was 2,156 votes. And to say that this was close would be an understatement. So it's Kyogo, Kalmak, CCV, or Hitati. Who would you take? Now, I appreciate it depends on what you're looking for as a manager at any given time. But all that aside, let's assume, uh, you know, sort of standard team, no great weaknesses anywhere or whatever it is, who would you take? It is a, it's a really good one because you're looking at it completely differently from the previous uh, yeah. question. Um, I'm going to ask you first, Paddy, what's your take on this one? Who would you take if you're an opposing manager and you are offered one of those four players? I, I, I'm going to be born and I'm going to say Hatati again, um, just for the, the same reasons that I gave um, for the most naturally gifted. He, he's a, he's an all-rounder. He's, he's a great player. He's only 25 as well, so you've got a good few years out of him. Um, 
Aye, again, I suppose it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking, if you're an attacking side, would you take Kyogo? Of course, you would for his finishing. If you need somebody to help keep you up, you would obviously take CCV to shore up the defence. But as an all-rounder, I've got to say Hattati. That's just a complete boring answer. But um, the guy is just phenomenal. And he can play, like I said earlier on, he can play left-back, centre-mid, attacking mid. He can play up front. He can make the ball disappear at will. It's got to be Hattati for me. Hattati uh, for Paddy. What about yourself, Patrick? If you're the opposing manager, you get offered these four guys. I think... I know, although I've not looked at the, the final result, John, I think I know who the top two will be because it's the two that I'm thinking of. But what what, what are you saying to it, Patrick? I'll just reiterate John's caveat that it really does depend on what your team's lacking. Because I think if you're a team battling relegation, you've got to go Carter Vickers. If you're a team that struggles to score goals, but you're creating a decent amount of chances, you're going for Kyogo. And then if you're a team like you know our rivals and you have really poor midfield options, you could go for either of McGregor and Hattati. Um I'm going to be a bit different. I'll go for Carter Vickers. Um, I've never known a, a Celtic centre-back to be as good, as consistent, as reliable. I mean, even Virgil van Dijk, the player he's became is obviously better than Carter Vickers, I would say. But the player he was at Celtic, I feel as if he could switch off at times. He could do. He could make really daft mistakes at times, totally out of character. But Carter Vickers is just the most solid, um, one of the most consistent, you know, in terms of consistency, him and Kurt, uh, McGregor are given 7, 8, 9 out of 10 every single week. So to, to add a bit of, to, to be different from Hatate, because I think everyone would say Hatate, but I'll be a bit different and say Carter Vickers because the guy's absolutely solid. Well, he's unbelievable. And by the way, I think there's a good point there about Van Dyke. There came a point in Van Dyke's Celtic career where I felt that he was coasting it a wee bit. I'm not saying he became mm. complacent. I think it's the same in all walks of life. It's it's like driving. You get so good at it that you stop paying attention. Um, and that's why I've had a roundabout a couple of times. So CCV, <laughs> CCV is massive, if you ask me, but so is... Um, McGregor, and I, I feel that that's maybe the two frontrunners on this one. I think what McGregor's brought to his game, particularly under Ange, is that uh, we've seen him grabbing a game by the scruff of the neck, sometimes when we're not um, winning it and, and pulling us right back into it. Like, I, I, I'm just not going to lose this game. And we've seen that from Callum McGregor, some great character. But Carter Vickers, for me, there, there's so many reasons, um, secondary reasons why I would choose him. I think he's one of the main reasons why our inverted fullbacks are able to flourish because he just keeps everything solid at the back. I think Starfelt, yeah, he's got all the defensive qualities, but but Carter Vickers beside him has made him even more solid. And even Joe Hart, I, I think there's a few deficiencies in his game um, that we don't really focus on a lot of the time because Carter Vickers is there. Uh, so I'm going to go for CCV, John. Uh, who won that particular poll? It's interesting. I just want to point out, again, Kyogo came last again with 8% and the fact I had a couple of uh, guys on Twitter losing their minds about the fact that Kyogo <laughs> could come last in any poll uh, of, of current Celtic players uh, especially given Angie's comments when he said you know Kyogo was my banker but Kyogo is a banker in Angie's system you know and also a couple of those guys weren't available for you know to, to be transferred at the same time there uh, and he already had Calmac. So, you know, from that point of view, I understand. I also understand because my inclination, I think we've all sort of football managers in our heads a wee bit, and you always build from the back. You know, you always have a solid spine. It's far more important for most teams that you have a decent centre-half and a decent centre-midfielder than it is that you have a decent striker. You have to be hard to beat first. That's most people. Not in Angus' world, obviously, but, you know, for most people, (laughs) uh, we've been brought up with that hard to beat. However, so when Kyogo 8%, CCV 28%, Hatate and Callum McGregor deadlocked 32%. Wow, man. So, and that was over 2,100 votes. That's a pretty good sample. Uh, Callum McGregor and Hatate uh, deadlocked. 
that that is interesting. I was convinced it would be CCV and Cal Mark up top there, but the, these uh, polls are very interesting. John, keep them coming, by the way, because it's a nice, especially during the international breaks, a nice wee breakaway from from the chat. Uh, yeah. I want to uh, bring up some of these comments that are coming through. Thanks everybody, six hundred strong for tuning into the the bulletin. David Boyle and knows that football is a cycle of constant change. Therefore, the empty vessels won't phase them one little bit. Uh, you're spot on. I, I totally get that. And all the racket that we hear in the media, um, I think, you know, very early on, we realised Ange has already sussed that out and it won't it won't affect his preparation or his charge towards the treble. Richard Herries can't wait for Screamer Selica. Neither can I. It's been a while since I've done it. And obviously it was uh, the brainchild of myself and, and I say brainchild, using myself, Kevin, and brain in the same sentence seems wrong. Uh, it was the idea of us two uh, some time ago. We used to do it uh, way back in the day and uh, we're going to do it again tonight because you might love or loathe Oasis, but they were a big part of my childhood. So we're going to cover a couple of the albums. And as we do on Scream Celica, we'll look at what Celtic were doing at that time. So we're going to start with What's the Story Morning Glory tonight? Uh, what were Celtic doing at that point in 1995 when Oasis were ruling the world? We'll find out tonight. Um, Kevin, afternoon axon from Windy Airdrie. Nine points clear, cup in the bag, another on the way. Happy days. Absolutely, Kevin. And by the way, there's enough in the media uh, to try and cause stir. So you're right, let's look at the positive uh, of being a Celtic fan. Uh, there was a, a woman on yesterday saying a big shout out to um, her son, who watches Axom at night with his papa, with his granddad every night, and he loves it. And we gave him, it was just amazing. Give him a wee shout out. Tony Craig, it's a shame people don't care about the national team. We don't support just because we are successful. There's a bit of that, I think, Tony. Like Personally, I used to be all about uh, watching Scotland, and, and it wasn't you know, being a glory hunter. I just don't think the quality was there. And I think the game changed to the point where... Um, club football overtook international football, um, and it's all about again. If you're if you're a Scotland fan or you're a football fan in Scotland, you're just kind of hoping you can believe in a in an entertaining team. I think we've got loads of great players. Um, are we an entertaining team? I'm not too sure at the moment. Although, like uh, Patrick said earlier, what a time for Stevie Clark. Um, and I know that you know there was a chance at, at, at one point that he might even become a Celtic manager over the last 15 years. Um, he was that way inclined, but it wasn't to be. He's a big hero down at Chelsea, though. Stephen Healy, what about the banner from the Green Brigade? Well, you know, it is something that the Green Brigade get uh, a lot of criticism at times for pyrotechnics and uh, UEFA fines and all this kind of stuff. Not from us, it's got to be said. Um, and I think it's on the right to give them credit where there's credit due. Uh, Paddy, I don't know if you wrote about it on your, your site, but that banner, I, I said on Monday, the, the clear distinction between stop the Tories and F the Tories mm -hmm. was very important. Aye. I, I, and it's amazing how the change of, of one word can change the point of view of so many people into it. Yeah, um, yeah. When, when both of them pretty much effectively mean the same thing. Um <laughs> I, I mean, I, the the Green Brigade do get a bit of, well, I, I think they get a lot of unfair um, criticism for their banners, considering the matter what they do, raising money for charities and doing work for food banks and that kind of stuff. And I, some of the stuff they got up to probably needs to be knocked in the head a wee bit, but the amount of good they do far outweighs that kind of stuff. And the message in the banner is completely right. Fits in with the values of the club. That 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 political party again dis, is destroyed. Um, I don't want to get too political because I'm, I'm, I'm aware it's a, and, and I'm, a, I'm a big I'm a big yes man I want independence for my country blah 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 but I just think um, I agree with the banner Paul John that's what I'm going to say it's a Celtic podcast it's not a political podcast I just agree with what they said that's what I'm going to say on that I'd say Paul John I said exactly the same thing I tweeted it exactly the same thing now I appreciate Stop the Tories was actually a reference to stop the boats, basically. So that's the reason they used that particular word. Um, but regardless, what it meant was we didn't get the usual bad actors, yeah. bad faith actors, with the, the full moralising, yeah. uh, you know, and fake outrage mm -hmm. because somebody used a sweary word. Um, and, uh, you know, given the, the detracting then from the uh, the, the actual message itself, which is the most important thing. So regardless of why they did it, the outcome, 
I think was was uh, the uh, you know the, the premium outcome. Basically, it was as good as it could have gotten. The message was undiluted. Everybody could see it. Everyone was talking about it. There wasn't any way you could uh, you know uh, slag them for it. Or, you know, um, give them any grief for it. So. Um, I think it was a, an excellent outcome, and you can't disagree with the message because, you know, you're you're sitting watching uh, uh, Swella Cowardman, whatever her name is, uh, in uh, on uh, in Rwanda of all places, sitting cackling with a concentration camp behind her. Um, you know, so I, I think that if anything. Uh, if there had been swear words involved, it certainly wouldn't have bothered me because I think it would have still been too mild for uh, what that is actually about. But uh, yeah, it's no fair play to them uh, because people couldn't then denigrate the message, and the message was a very important one. Not John, I find it incredible that there was mere outrage about that sweary word than there was about the actual policies the Tories have inflicted on the country and the yeah. suffering it's caused. I found that incredible. But the, what people choose to, to to focus on was that one word. For me, it's just baffling. Man. No, that's baffling. just deflection, mate. You know, of that's course it is. deflection of course from it is. The, What's it? You know, it's deliberate uh, and it's deflection. Yeah. Um, and by some very well practiced. Uh, political campaigners and some, yeah. you know, as I say, people with bad faith actors and people with some very, very shocking views on immigration. Um, mm-hmm. So, look, again, you know, I'm sure the comments are lighting up with, can, let's get talking about Celtic, but again, it was an important message and it is at the football um, and I think it should be at the football because that is, there is a political element to this club. There has been yeah. since its inception um, and, um you know, I I think uh, you know with the charitable um, foundations of the club uh, and the immigrant foundations of the club. If any message is to be out there, uh, that's the one. Yeah, and the thing is, Paddy, I, I totally get. You know, this isn't uh, a political state of mind; it's a Celtic state of mind. But they go hand in hand. And we used to have a show. Um, what was it called? Actually, you were on it, Patrick. You and you yeah, and Dick. I- <laughs> Was it was a state of politics? I believe state of the state of politics. That's what it was. You yeah, had some fantastic guests on it as well. Um, so I know that you are finely tuned, and I think most people are becoming more politicised. And I always say that I was politicised due to my my own circumstances with my old fella being a striking minor back in the day. I think there's a generation of kids coming through who will be politicised due to the environment in which we are currently living in. Uh, but I know yourself and Declan. Um, you know, you got your finger on the pulse and, um, you know, with regards to these types of banners, are we sweary here or there? You know, everybody swears. <laughs> you know, the reason we don't do it on the show is because of people like the wee guy yesterday that got the shout out. We don't want to be polluting his ears with F words and all that kind of stuff when he watches with his granddad. Um, <laughs> so, Patrick, what was your what was your take on that banner? Yeah, fully supported it. I mean, I think I support 95% of what the Green Brigade does. You know, they've, they've obviously got the odd you know, incident or the odd idiot that causes um causes bother, but not every banner, as you say, it's it's delivering the same message, whether it's, you know, the F word or the, the Douglas Ross banner from a few months ago or the one at the weekend, it's the message is the same. The outrage is should be about what the party is doing to working class people, to people, you know, asylum seekers coming to this country. I mean, for God's sake, the, the club that we all support, the club we're talking about just now, it wouldn't have been formed if we had these same policies 180 years ago, 160 years ago, which, of course, people, there was a lot of anti-Irish sentiment and still is to this day, but obviously it was massive back then. And every Celtic fan would be opposed to that, obviously, because it directly links to them. But you have to have solidarity between, you know, whether you're Irish or whatever country you're coming from. No, these are guys fleeing wars that we've had a hand in starting for crying out loud. I, I mean, you, you can't you can't not offer support to them. So I think anyone who is outraged by a swear word or a piece of paper should really take a look at the policies that the government have been enacting for the last 13 years and decide which one's more important. We're still demonised, you know, for those things as well. Some of the names that we are still called come directly from that. Mm-hmm. You know, Tarriers... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean that—that's about. They, they didn't want to. They're worried about giving you a job because then you would tarry afterwards. You would stay, right? Uh, and that's where that comes from. So it doesn't just go away, uh, you know. No. And to be feeding into that narrative now, 
160 odd years later to still be feeding into that narrative, to be demonising people as other, uh, as lesser, mm -hmm. as untermensch. You know, we've seen that before. We've seen how that plays out. So, yeah, no, uh, I, I, I'm glad they, they didn't swear on it because it allows us to talk about it without the usual, you know, as I say, pe people getting outraged about swear words. But, uh, you know, it was very effective for the message and it's a very important message. And I do apologise. I I don't look at the comments. I'm sure people have gone buck mad. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you don't agree, I apologise. But, you know, that's just the way it is, is, uh, as we see it, I suppose. John, a wee bit of politics, a wee bit of music, a wee bit of politics. It's a Celtic state of mind. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, roll with it. Absolutely, yes. Uh, synonymous with uh, some famous victories for Celtic. Um, the 6-2 game in particular. Feed the Bear will be happy. You were a regular on the Scream of Celica comments. Join us at 7 o'clock. Um, and actually, I agree with you, Angelo Tyro. Amistone knows his guy actually as well. Oasis come maybe second or third in my own list but there you go, uh, we'll be talking about Oasis tonight. Listen, I've really enjoyed sitting in for uh, Kevin Graham today, it's uh, not that often I get to join you guys on the screen and it's brilliant, it's a great dynamic, Kevin will be back but just with work commitments etc, you can't do it uh, for the next few weeks and I'll be coming in uh, to bore you census about politics and music but tonight <laughs> Scream and Celica's back at seven. Thanks, everybody, for getting uh, involved. Well over 600 live, which is just astonishingly good. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us. All we ask you to do, give us a wee thumbs up on the YouTube video and subscribe. We're giving away this jersey later on in the week um, for one lucky subscriber. Thank you to uh, Patrick uh, McGill, Paddy Sinnott and John Hughes for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. Sure, hell. Bye-bye. Network.